is a wish your heart makes when you're fast asleep. Hello, it's Rebecca Maida here, Zelina, the Wicked Witch of the West, and you are listening to Once Upon a Fan podcast. Enjoy, because it's wicked. Whatever you wish for, you keep. In your dreams and Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Once Upon a Fan podcast. Obviously, we're a little bit late. Thanks so much for your patience. I am your host. Have you ever considered turning your blog into a podcast? And I'm joined by my co-host... The Catherine Nolan situation. And this is our review of Pretty in Blue and Eloise Gardner. Strike that. Reverse it. This is our review of Eloise Gardner and Pretty in Blue. Uh, so we're going to get to that doubleheader here in just a second. First, we're going to begin with our regular news roundup. And the first bit of news that we have for you is that we got a new episode title. Episode 714 is called The Girl in the Tower. And it's written by Dana Horgan and Leah Fong. I'm really, really interested in this episode because I have a theory about Rapunzel. And I'm excited to share it with you all this episode. It's not a new one, apparently, as people reminded me on Twitter. However... It is new to me. I just came up with it, and I have evidence to support my theory. So we'll be discussing that a little bit later in the show. Really excited to get to that. The other bit of news that we have for you as well, a second item here. They put out a new book. It's called Once Upon a Time, Henry and Violet. And it contains all of our favorite characters from Storybrooke and a brand new story on the cover art and... and, and blah, 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 blah. The cover art and the excerpt are available on ohmydisney.com, which is ohmy.disney.com. Uh, you can probably Google it, and I'm sure that it will bring you there. It's written by Michelle Zink, and it looks like it is just a little story, kind of fill in the blanks a little bit on Henry's story, which I really do appreciate. Also, in the world of Once Upon a Time, I want to let you know, if you follow Jennifer Morrison on Instagram, Twitter, and, and the like, December is what she's calling Dress-ember. It's a month-long campaign where you're challenged to wear a dress or a bow tie every day during the month of December as a way to advocate for those trapped in slavery around the world. In four years, December advocates have raised over $3 million for anti-trafficking organizations. For more information and to join in, you can go to dressember.org, which is D-R-E-S-S-E-M-B-E-R.org. You can also go to Jen's Facebook and Twitter and Instagram pages for more information. And you can see all of the stuff there if you put in the hashtag Dressember. She is trying to like as many posts as possible just to show that she is a serious advocate for all of this. So just want to let everybody know that that is also something that y'all can do. So now that we're done with the little bit of news that we have, we're going to get into our episode discussion here, our episode review. First going, I don't, I don't know that we're really going to go episode by episode. We're probably just going to go wherever we go to begin with. Um, this isn't going to be our normal two-hour podcast, as you may have noticed from the description. So instead, let's just go ahead and get into our review here. But first... I want to get an opinion from Ashley. Ashley, what did you think overall of the two episodes? Just kind of general opinion. Well, they were really enjoyable. I liked that we were finally getting some answers with some of the mysteries and that everybody kind of knows each other are awake now, though also that kind of, to me, takes away from some of the mystery because it was kind of fun to see everyone skulking around. The Rumpel needs to get his shit together, but that could be a whole other podcast about that. Um, I am very full of questions it's really weird like i feel like we got a lot of information but then we got even more questions and normally i'm all about that but now i'm i I kind of don't know what's going on in a way and i just i think i i I need to like go back and just absorb this entire season like in one big chunk and i feel like that was the strength with this double header is that you had a nice arc going on in the story you um with the beginning with Eloise Gardner, you had the whole setup with Gothel and um, Detective Hook kind of, you know, finally solving his white whale of a mystery. And then kind of the fallout of that and flowing into uh, more of Jacinda and Henry's romance, both in the flashbacks and in the present day. Um, 
weirdly, it wasn't the the main plots of either story that I was super invested in. It was I was more invested in the flashbacks, and I was more kind of wondering what was going on with not the side characters, but like the B plots. I feel like the B plots are are really like, you know, what's Drizella doing? Like that is like the question of the the season for me. I'm like, what's she up to? What's she doing? What she got? Uh, same thing with Tilly with Alice. I um have really warmed up to her now, and so anytime she's on screen, I'm like, all right, no more of her, please. Um, and it is it is a lot of fun. Well, I don't want to say fun because she's suffering, but it is very interesting to kind of watch Regina keep the plate spinning, so to speak, and kind of stay on the DL, but also try to like get stuff done, but not you know let anybody know that she's influencing things. So I like that you know Ronnie slash Regina has I think a bit more to do now. Um. Yeah, I mean they were they were solid episodes. It's, it's very nice to be this solid in I guess the middle of the mid season. Um, though I'm wondering, I feel like we're building to something big for the mid season finale. So I'm wondering like what that's going to be because I can feel something building, but I can't really you know pick out the strings yet. You know the plot threads. But I'm also wondering, okay, so if we get this big thing, then where are we going to go when we come back after Christmas, you know? Because um, we're already getting a bunch of, of episode titles, so it's like, okay, they've already got it in their heads, so where are we going, you know? Yeah, so that's that's what I thought. Okay. I kind of have ideas for where we're going to end up going with all of this. I kind of feel like this half of the season might be a little bit more... I think I said this last week, or on the last podcast at least. <laughs> um, I feel like this half of the season is going to be more for exploring the backstory of Henry and Cinderella meeting each other, and that the finale, the mid-season finale, is going to represent a very big shift, and then it's going to get into more of like hopefully at least, the time between when Lucy was, like, born and became a 10-year-old and when the curse got cast. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to see what happened in between the scene in the season six finale at where, you know, Henry came, went running into the little log forest. You know, snow is basically log, snow white log, and... And, you know, the and sent Lucy running and then she met Tiger Lily. Like, I need to find out what happened between that time and when the curse was cast and when they all ended up in Hyperion Heights. I need to see when they got to Hyperion Heights. I need to know how long it's been there. Um, these are all things that I'm very, very interested in just for my own information because I'm like, fill in the blanks. I do agree with you that we're getting a lot more answers now. Um but also more questions, which, again, I think I did tweet this, too, because I feel like this season is not unfolding at all like I expected it to. Mm -hmm. And I'm really, really happy about that because it could have been very, like, by the book, very paint by numbers, very, you know, kind of predictable in what was going to happen. Some of the stuff, you know, maybe a little bit predictable because you can kind of, you know, it's that's I feel like that's more because of the nature of TV than it is of the story because the story itself has me confused as all hell. Like, I really have no idea what's going on. So, um, you know, in that regard, I'm I'm loving it because I'm really confused and I don't know where it's going to go and how it could go. I have also, I mean, I've been warm to Tilly for a minute. I'm really glad that you're finally on that bandwagon. I don't know. Like, it's, okay, so let's just get into this then. Because overall, I thought that the episode's really good, but I... There's definitely some stuff coming out. So basically, here's I think that Tremaine is is Rapunzel. Really? I do. I think that Tremaine is Rapunzel, and the reason why I think that is, there's a couple of them. Um, number one, even if it was like not the real Rapunzel, when we saw this Rapunzel in the tower over the episode, even though it was oh, got, even though it was Gotham. Rapunzel and, number one. Huh. Rapunzel number one, like the one that Gothel kind of mentioned when she was, like, undercover Rapunzel? Yes. I think that Lady Tremaine is, Rapun is like, the, the real original Rapunzel from, like, the Tower. 
Um, couple reasons why. Number one, she has a tower and she's super comfortable being in one. <laughs> you know, up in her office space, whatever. Two. Belfry. Her, yeah, Belfry is, you know, I mean, a Belfry is like a tower. Um, number two, she keeps her hair super short. And it would make sense if Rapunzel used to have her hair be all long and long and long that she would keep her hair short now. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also blonde. They're both British. And... She, like, imprisoned Gothel up in the tower, so I feel like it's kind of, like, role reversal a little bit, maybe. I still want to know how Gothel hasn't aged, but maybe that's the power of the flower. Who knows? Uh, Yeah, but I... And then... Oh, God, there was another reason. Oh, like, I don't know. It just seems like that is the case. Like, she seems to have insider information about Gothel. Mm -hmm. Like, because she was super... Like, I genuinely bought that she was afraid of what Drizella had done at the end of the Eloise Gardner episode when she was getting arrested and she was saying how mm-hmm. Drizella has no idea what she just let crawl out into the world. I like, I thought that was genuine fear and concern, not just like I'm going to jail concern, but like, girl, do you know what you did? Like, you don't know this chick the way that I do. You're stupid. Like, I mean, I, I genuinely caught kind of fear in, in, in her from that. So, I feel like the only way that she would know is if the M is, you know, if she was really there. Plus, she knows that Gothel can, like, has the green thumb and the garden and everything, and that would make sense if they have that whole history. Like, and that's what I think the girl in the tower is. I feel like that's going to be the Tremaine backstory. So, yeah, that's my theory. I think that Tremaine is going to end up being Rapunzel, and we'll see how that turns out. Now, um, there's something else along with this Rapunzel storyline that we need to discuss, which is the whole Rapunzel is actually Mother Gothel thing and the Mm. ensuing action that occurred overnight therein. Yeah. So let's just review what happened. So Hook went back up into the tower to rescue Rapunzel and they clearly had a nice evening. And then the next morning... Um, she let him know that she had incubated and given birth to a baby (laughs) overnight and, um, that she was also really mother Gothel. And then she, you know, she had to leave somebody in her bloodline behind because that's how the whole flower power worked. So that's how that worked. Um, although I will Mm -hmm. say that that's growing a baby overnight that's not how any of that works but it's okay i literally shouted that at the television i was like what 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 yeah a little crazy like just so there's there's you know i saw some hubbub online about the fact that people were taking issue with the fact that once again there was a character on the show a female character on the show who was using magic and glamour spells to take advantage of a man. So basically, here is what I have to say. The only thing that I have to say, really, is I'm just going to discuss what Dana Horgan said, who wrote that episode, and who, you know, she made it very clear on Twitter that the subject came up in the writer's room and they heavily discussed this episode and her viewpoint basically was that there are many characters in literature and in, in, you know, like his, well, not history because literature is, you know, subjective, but there are many, many characters in literature, female characters who use, you know, vixens, I believe was one word that she used. Um, who use their feminine wiles and magic in such a way as, as what Gothel did in the episode, that that's something that happens in literature. And that's kind of what they were going off of that. That's basically, you know, that that's an archetype, right. That they could use. Okay. So I totally get that. And it's true. And it's a very interesting time in the world as far as harassment and things like that go. And it's an interesting 
time in the world as far as, you know, how women are finally being taken seriously about issues of harassment and things like that. And so it's kind of important to call this kind of thing out. And I understand why everybody would want to do so. I really do. It is still true, however, that this archetype appears in historic in history as far as fiction goes. And when you're dealing with a show that is based off of literature and fiction the way that Once Upon a Time is, even when it gives it its own spin, sometimes you have to fall back on familiar tropes and archetypes because that's what exists in the world and that's what you can use to tell your story. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily a commentary or an opinion on thing one way or another. Sometimes that just happens. I don't really have a personal opinion about it because I honestly don't know how I feel about it. But, Ashley, if you have anything to say about it, please feel free. Well, I mean, first off, I agree with you that the timing was not great for this. But then again, how it coincided, like, no one could predict how these things would mesh. Um, right. Is there ever a good time for something like this? No. No, not at all. Um, but in regards to everything that's been coming to light and just the the avalanche of thing like of what's the word I want to use the avalanche of accountability that has occurred um if you told me like five months ago that that was going to be a thing I would have laughed at you because I mean you know I'm a woman come on we know hate to say right but um the other part of it is, though, is that this wasn't in any way presented in a positive light in term, like in the story. This was supposed to be icky and wrong and bad and evil, right? Um, and especially so since it happened to you know a beloved character. This isn't this. I don't think, or rather, I don't read it as the same situation that happened before with Zelina. And Robin, because Zelina was kind of like, I wouldn't even call her an anti-hero at the time. She was just, I mean, she was a fan favorite villain. So, you know, you're rooting for the bad guy there. But then all that happened and it was like, okay, wow, I don't know how to feel because I love it when Zelina's evil. But this is like, this is a whole, this isn't fairy tale evil. This is like, really, she crossed a line there. You know what I mean? Yeah, with this, twisted, very twisted. Right. It was. It was. Yeah. It was very twisted, and it. It. It really. You know, I don't foresee Gothel having any sort of redemption to where like I or that I would want to see for her, or that I would see for her. Whereas with Selena, I feel like she was starting to be built back into the story with that. So it was like, well, we want to redeem her, but she also did this really, really like. WTF thing, and that caused, you know, internal conflict in the viewer. I think with Gothel and her situation, it was a very truncated way of being like, no, but she really is just gross and evil. Not... It's a very serious thing, and that's why I get yes. so, like, steamed when people in, like, shipperness, like, will throw it around, like, well, mm -hmm. you know, if you extrapolate this from that and the fanon, like, that's totally, like, what happened between so-and-so and other so-and-so. And now I'm not speaking just about Once Upon a Time, but, like, in many, many different t television shows and, and whatever. Um, and obviously I'm not condoning that, because holy shit... But, like, there, there is no positive chink with this. Like, we were a chink of light. We were supposed to look at that act, and we were supposed to feel as Hook did. We were supposed to, supposed to feel betrayed because we had this very tangled image of Rapunzel. And then it's like, no, she is, like, the rug was supposed to be pulled out from underneath us as the same way Hook was. And we were supposed to feel that violation. Now, again, 
this is a very serious thing and it should not be made light or be made a should not be made to be used as like a tool or a plaything for an entertainment show like television but at the same time this is a drama we're watching and if this were to happen on like how to get away with murder or Grey's Anatomy I don't know if there'd be that much of a shout there probably would be now I'm mean, I cannot I can't say either way um, and I cannot speak for anybody who's experienced anything like this and I know I sound like I'm waffling I really do but at the same time like on one hand I very much see why this happened in the story and how it is you it was is supposed to make us not like this is not a positive thing there's no condoning in in the writer's room of this this is not like oh well no big deal it was like no this is a bad thing this is this is why like gothel is bad news and why we should fear her because she is capable of doing something as like horrible as this but at the same time, I understand how this is very sensitive. Well, I think you make a, you know some interesting points. I, I think that, for me, I feel like in this case, inclusion of this scenario, inclusion of this particular plot point, inclusion of this event does not equal endorsement of that action. Oh, absolutely not. No, and then, then I don't think there's any way you could read that. Absolutely with this. not. No, I've. I that mean, you, you I, I much feel like I, my like rambling. Well, no, but I feel like I feel like people online sometimes make can, and I'm guilty of doing this myself sometimes too. I feel like people online sometimes are very quick to make a snap judgment based off of volatile emotion displaced from another situation. So, I kind of feel like anybody who's getting upset with this, like, I don't know how you could ever... I have really never understood how anybody could ever interpret the show including something like this or something different on, you know, in its plot as an endorsement of such behavior. Because that just seems silly to me. I don't know how you could ever... That's not a, an equivalency that I can follow. Yeah, it's a difficult topic. It's a difficult thing to to discuss um, just because, you know, there's so many different elements to it and the fact that it's got historical basis in literature, but today's climate is very much changing and smash the patriarchy and all these things. It's a tough discussion. It's a tough topic. There is no real right or wrong answer here. Um, it is It is simultaneously objective and subjective it is, in, in correct. a way, like this right. particular situation. Right. So we're just going to move on because there's not really a whole lot more to discuss. But we're going to keep in the realm of Rapunzel and, you know, kind of Tremaine and things like that. Because um, Tremaine got arrested in yes. these two episodes. Oh, and they could have, you know, repercussions further on down the line. Ashley has something she wants to say about it. Oh, no, I just thought there was one moment during the whole arrest scene that really struck me. First off, I was like, you bitches for like tricking cap or i would say captain hook officer hook into thinking that eloise gardner was gothel i was like ooh, ooh i said to that but the scene because obviously tilly played an important part in all that um and it was it was really rough on her this 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 ep or eloise gardner episode but as we know that tilly alice is she has been proven to be baby hook yay i'm i'm like i part of me was like damn it they went there and part of me was like oh good they went there oh i'm so happy about this i'm so happy about this but what struck me was the scene when they went when officer hook and gothel drive away in the ambulance and they're looking, and then Tilly's looking at them. I just realized, like, she's looking at her parents, and she doesn't even know it. Holy crap. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Like, I was like, simultaneously, that was my reaction. I was like, oh, uh, you know? And what does that mean for her going forward? Like, it, does she 
has some kind of special magic we don't know about. Um, mm. You know, like, what's up with the mushrooms? Yeah, I don't know, all kinds of things. Um, yeah, I didn't really think about that until you just said it, so that's really, really interesting. Um, well, Tremaine got hers. I mean, that's the thing I think is really interesting with this, is Tremaine was kind of set up in the first, uh, I would say at least the first three episodes before things started to go is i don't want to say sideways but that's the best way to put it things started to go a little less than expected um tremaine was set up to be you know high bitch in charge and she ended this episode like regina never got arrested like you know this this is this is kind of new she's she's a player has been taken off the field so i'm interested to see where her in like what does she have cooking where her influence lies because at the end of Pretty in Blue, you find out, even though Anastasia really thought she had the upper hand, she didn't. So it's all like... Not Wait, even that Anastasia mouse, had the upper hand or that Drizella had the upper hand? Drizella did. That Drizella had the upper hand because Anastasia was not where she was supposed to be. So it's like this... It's not even cat and mouse. It's like this... At like one-upmanship of... It, it feels very rumple in that, like, everyone has their own machinations, and they're like, aha, no, but you thought you got me, but I've got this up my sleeve, and I've got this up my sleeve, and wait, <laughs> I've got this, you know, it, it, you know, in the tool belt, and it, it, which, I think that's kind of why I, I feel like I don't know what's going on, because I feel like I don't, we, we aren't getting such big hints towards, oh, they've got something cooking, in a way, like, Belfry seemed really defeated, like, and, and even, like you said earlier, in her, her words of warning to Drizilla was like, you have no idea, like, the shit that you've brought down on yourself and everybody else. Um, and she did sound, she, she was, sounded 100% like, fearful, and like, this is, this is it. But at the same time, she had a contingency plan where Anastasia's body was in the coffin. So, it's like... Who is in charge here? Is Gothel? Is Drizilla? Is Victoria? Is someone else? And I think that's why I feel a bit adrift in that, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Because I can't put my finger on the biggest bad. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, because the biggest bad keeps shifting. Mm -hmm. is the thing i mean it's it there really is a power play going on here a power struggle going on um between mother and daughter which i kind of am enjoying i'm i'm liking this whole back and forth thing i really just feel like drizella is a young version of regina like an alternate young version of regina and tremaine is totally the cora but then we're gonna find out that like you know, if she was Rapunzel and she was locked in the tower by Gothenol, you know, whatever, and blah, 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 like, and then she got out, yeah, she cut her hair and kept it short, and yeah, I totally thought that's going to be the case, but, uh, yeah, there's, we need more answers. I'm really curious about when, you know, when the show comes back, too, because they've already kind of shown in the promo that she is going to confess the truth to Lucy. I don't know if you saw that or not, but... In the promo, was for... there another? Was there another promo? Because I saw one that was like in three weeks, and I don't remember seeing that. But it was all, it was a lot of quick cuts. I think there might and have been one, like, but totally... no. But yeah, she's going to. She goes to Lucy and she says, "Yes, fairy tales are true, but you don't know the whole story." I mean, it's well, it's cut together at least. You know, the promo is mm -hmm. edited together in such a way that it mm -hmm. makes it seem like she's telling Lucy the truth. Um, she may not be. I mean, you know she really may not be but it, it looks like it and i think that it would be really interesting to have you know instead of having it be a thing where what regina did was she you know, just trying to convince henry that you know no you're crazy you're crazy this can't be happening no 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 mm -hmm. instead for tremaine to be like yes it's totally happening your fairy tales are real darling but there's not much you can do about it because but there's a cuss. Like, you know, just whatever. So <laughs> I like the fact that I have no idea what the hell is going on because I really don't have any idea what the hell is going on. Um, I See, I'm the kind of person, though, that tries to find the common thread. Like, when I'm watching, like, 
thrillers or horror movies, I like try to figure out like, okay, so this is this and then that. But like, like I'll watch my Agatha Christie's and I'll be like, hmm, clues, what? But I can't do that here and it's it's exciting because i'm like I, I while i was watching the episodes i'm like okay wait wait what like drusilla where the hell did you come from like you know um but it's when we discuss and i'm like well i have all of these like i have all of my clue cards in front of me but none of them make sense so now what and is my brain trying to find a linear path which it does make it exciting when that path presents itself because then it's like oh duh you know and then all the pieces fall into place so i am looking forward to that and that's why i'm saying there's we're building towards something i'm looking forward to what everything kind of just shifts into place and it's like oh what <laughs> i'm so looking forward to that i'm looking forward to that moment when probably in the finale when you know the when I message you like Zach <laughs> well yeah I'm sure that I'll probably you know get a message from you being like oh my god and I'll be like what like what is it what and then you know I'll watch the show and it'll be you know that moment when it all comes together when we get that last final piece of information that ties everything up you know like that like it'll be the thing where we won't be circling the airport anymore we're gonna be able to land this bird and mm -hmm. you know it'll but it'll be one of those things where we're like holy shit like I feel like with the whole curse of the poisonous heart thing too, we need to talk about that because I feel like that's going to come into play because I feel like whatever Drizella did has to deal with the curse of the poison heart because that must be why, you know, wh whoever it is can't get close to each other because somebody's well, going to die. Well, you know die. what I think it is? Hmm. I think, it, I think she used that curse, but... You know, because she, she made a point when Regina went to go force choke her. She was like, ah, land without magic, mer. That I think if Henry and Jacinda break the curse, they'll bring magic to Hyperion Heights. But in doing so, the, the curse in their hearts will enact and they can never be together. So in, by being together, they, can, they will have to force each other apart. Like, they're, they'll go for the kiss, and, the, and the, the magic will happen. The true love's kiss, like, will happen. And then it'll be like, Wah! and it'll be poisoned. Yeah, you're probably right. And they can't get right. within, like, what, ten feet of each other. You're probably right. That is probably what's going to end up happening. Damn. Because they, they made a point of showing that in uh, Pretty in Blue to show, like, the effects of the curse and what happens. But they also made a point to give us hope. There's my quarter to the Hope Commission, Snow, um, that there is a cure. Well, there's got to be like a cure that, in a like, way. Tilly... Like, there's got to be a way out of it. Like, Oh, yeah, totally. I, I always say sidebar. I kind of like the fact that, like, I'm pretty, I don't remember Tilly's exact dialogue, but she's like, yeah, it was totally, like, this cute young sorceress who I was, like, totally, like, talking to. And I was like, say, girl. <laughs> but it was Drusilla, so I was like, oh, wait, no. <laughs> Hashtag fairy tale lesbians. Yes. Mm. Somebody has to get me that shirt. I have to make that shirt. Yeah, we do need to get you that shirt. And we're going to move into our final topic of this podcast, a little bit shorter episode this week. And we're going to move into Henry and Jacinda's relationship, as well as the appearance of Nick, a.k.a. Fake Baby Daddy, a.k.a. Jack <laughs> from Jack and the Beanstalk, which was a pleasant surprise, I will say, because I was expecting him to be Flynn Rider. So there it is. I think everybody was. Like, I think... I, like I said, I wasn't online after the episode, so I didn't see, like, the response to that either, but it was pretty much everyone had accepted him to be Flynn Rider, so the fact that he's not was kind of like, hmm. Yeah, I think it was his hair. I mean, I hate to say that I judged it solely based off of the cover, but I did judge his book <laughs> off the cover. Um, it was really his hair that made me think that he was going to be Flynn. Uh, I'm really not predicting there's going to be a whole lot of drama with this situation, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of baby daddy drama, potentially so, but I, I just don't get that vibe. I feel like that's not the direction that they're going to take the story. I hope I, that's not the direction they take the story because we have so many other things to focus on and answers that we need to get to that I'm just like, okay, he can play, but he doesn't need to be a focus. Yeah, like I agree. I, I actually I don't get the Catherine Nolan vibe from him because, you know, when she showed up on the scene, it was like, oh, what is this? You know, back in season one. And there was like a real I felt like, I mean, 
we didn't know anything, but I felt like there was, like, a real worry that, like, like, you know, Snow White and Charming's storybook, or rather, Mary Margaret and David Nolan's story, like, there was actual, like, jeopardy in them getting together. But I feel like Nick... I don't want to say he has less of a claim because that's not what I mean, you know, because he is Lucy's father. But it, I just feel like, you know, he left in cursed time. He left, quote unquote, 10 years ago. Whereas with the way Catherine's, you know, Abigail's cursed persona was, she was very immediate. Like, she was like, no, I've always been here. Like, I, you know, like I, I left town, but I came back because stuff. And it, it just seemed like more immediate. It wasn't like as big of a break and obviously since like with David he had the amnesia and he didn't know these things but Jacinda has cursed memories so she can kind of I I guess Jacinda's more informed I don't know it's really where like it's similar like there's a parallel there but there's definitely a big difference and I can't put my finger on what it is aside from like a hundred little things but you can definitely feel it I feel like it's more a matter of like, you know, well, first of all, no one wants to be the Catherine. So (laughs) one of the funniest lines, like I was legit cackling at that because really nobody wants to be the Catherine. But what it made me think of is like Catherine to me seemed like much more of an immediate threat to Snow and Charming reuniting in Storybrooke and finding their way back to each other in order to break the curse. Because back, I mean, we knew that Emma was going to have something to do with breaking the curse, but we didn't really know what that could entail. We were kind of left to fill in the gaps on our own. So it seemed like she was much more of like a clear and present danger to their relationship and them being together and that whole thing. Henry and Jacinda are already having problems being together. It is very similar to Snow and Charming, but he doesn't feel like as much of a threat as she was probably because with Catherine and David, she was like, they had, you know, if, if according to their cursed memories, they'd been married for 10 years or however long, you know, the whole time. And she had been looking for him. And so in her mind and in his too, like their cursed memories, there was this whole life together, you know, that they had had this guy, Nick has, according to this new curse has been out of Jacinda and Lucy's life for the past 10 years. So that clear and present danger isn't as obvious because even though homie is back and taking people out to dinner and wanting to be more of a regular presence in Lucy's life, it's, it's not like they remember being together for the last 10 years and they have this whole artificial romance existing in their head they don't have an artificial romance like it's not a fun situation for either one of them really so to me i think that's why she doesn't he doesn't seem as much of a threat as Catherine was you know who does seem like a threat though because you said that and i was like oh dude drusilla ivy she's the Catherine nolan yes she actually is she's the secret Catherine nolan because she you can tell there's a dig there like she's digging on henry there's the whole stepsister aspect. She does not want Jacinda to be happy. I would really like to know more about their relationship. I know I've said it on a previous episode of the podcast, but it's still true. I would like to see more about Drizella and Cinderella and Anastasia's relationship. Their sisterhood, or lack thereof. I want to know mm. more about that, because I want to know why Drizella has such a thing against Cinderella. Is it merely a class thing? Does she think of herself as being better than this girl? You know, or is there, is it because she thinks she did something to Anastasia? Because from where I'm sitting and the way that I'm looking at it, it would make sense for Drizella to be more on Cinderella's side because Tremaine has proven that she loved Anastasia more. So wouldn't that create a natural rivalry and animosity on Drizella's part? Well, I mean, yes, because I definitely see that, like, you know, Jacinda and Drusilla should have teamed up against whatever, you know, Tremaine's favoritism of Anastasia. But Drusilla seems like she's the youngest here, so she probably was sucking up to Tremaine hardcore to try to get Mommy's favoritism. 
And in doing that, she, I mean, if Tremaine didn't like Cinderella, then Drusilla's not going to like Cinderella to get Mommy's approval. I still think it would be a really awesome, unexpected twist if it ended up being a thing where Drizella and Cinderella were the wicked stepsisters and Anastasia was actually the nice one. <laughs> oh my god! Oh! <laughs> Sorry, that just like caught me so off guard. Um, yes! Holy crap! Because that's, I mean, but that's kind of what we wanted for Drusilla is to be like, oh no, step, the evil stepsister with a heart of gold, but then she was like, nah, I'm totes evil. But like, oh crap, Zach, like, what, like, I want that yes. to be the case. I want it to be a thing where the big twist with Cinderella's character is revealing that she's not totally perfect and not 100% innocent and not this, you know, shining beacon of light and hope and and whatever. Like, I want her mm -hmm. to have a flaw and I want that to be the flaw. Like, I, I... Because also, too, I just have to say, if that were to be the case, then that would make just that would make cinderella much more like regina than we maybe have realized because so far they've really been pushing the the drizella is young regina angle on this and i kind of am mm -hmm. like okay so if cinderella has a has a nasty streak to her then she would actually be have more in common with regina which is why those two would actually have a really interesting and reflective dynamic as like mm -hmm. mother-in-law daughter-in-law mm -hmm. i would be really interested to see where that kind of story could go especially if like you know when henry finds all this out like you know if he finds this out in a flashback that she's actually she was wicked and anastasia wasn't that bad um you know what does that mean for them going forward it it really shakes up the whole idea of what a princess should be, what Cinderella should be. It would, I feel like it would just really turn the whole story on its head. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, I would, I'm here for it. If it happens, I'm totally here for it. It doesn't have to happen, but uh, I'm, I would love it if that was the case. I think you're onto something though. Cause if you do recall the, the big scene with Drusilla or was it supposed to, I might be wrong. I, I, that might be wrong. Ignore that. Um, if you recall, Jacinda had said that it was her fault that Anastasia had died. Right. So is this like a Snow Queen thing where it was like an accident and she feels guilty? Like they were going to do, you know, they were being wicked stepsisters and were doing something petty and it went too far. That's what I, that's I totally what I can see, see happening is that it ends up being an accidental, like we're playing a prank on you and it went wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would totally be on board for that. Yeah. Because then it's the thing where it's like. It's not like Cinderella really maliciously set out to hurt anybody that badly. It was more of a thing of like, oh, we're just going to be catty, bitchy stepsisters, whatever. But then it it pushes it over the edge into the tragedy territory and then fractures the whole family and explains why Tremaine would hate Cinderella, especially if Cinderella was the one who's like, hey, let's do this thing. And Drizella was kind of the one who maybe backed off a little bit. Or if it's a situation where Ooh. they both came up with it, but Drizella kind of worked it in such a way that she was able to put off more of the blame onto Cinderella. And that's why. Or Cinderella felt guilty and confessed to it. Yeah. And, and she just Drizella took all like, she just yeah, took responsibility it. on herself and let Drizella off the hook. I would love if I'm that were really to happen. I'm rooting for this to be a thing. Um, I'm rooting for this to be to a us, thing too. Writers, please, please. I mean, you don't have to. I love all of you, by the way. Um, okay, so I feel like that's going to be it for that part of our discussion. Just going to wrap it up here with a couple of bookends, um, some dialogue that stuck out to me, some scenes that I really liked. First of all, I really enjoyed how at the beginning Regina said that she is overworked and underpaid. I was like, girl. Yeah, that ain't some commentary for today and age. I don't know what is. Also, when um, somebody, I think it was Drizella, but it was somebody else. Somebody said the witch grows these flowers in her secret garden. It might have been Rapunzel. Was it uh, Smee? Was it Smee? Smee, maybe. Somebody said it. I just like the it mention so of the secret garden. It was so good seeing Smee back. It was so good seeing Smee back, by it the way. Was. Like, it was. It was nice to see Chris Gothier. Gothier. Like, Yeah. yeah. It's like, hey, like, we're still connecting the story a little bit. This is nice. Guest stars are cool. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the dwarves. Um, 
And then also, too, Victoria's line, she had a couple of lines. Number one, when she said, why is women's footwear the constant bane of my existence? (laughs) Freaking love that line. That cracked me up. Loved it. And then the other one is the same scene when she said, with that green thumb of yours, you must know the thing about ivy. In order for it to grow, it has to cling to something. And I was like, oh, that's so twisted. Who decided that... Drizella's curse name was going to be Ivy. Was it Tremaine or was it Drizella? And who the fuck cast the curse anyway? Like, who did it? Because now I'm like, I really, we need answers. We need it. Because Tremaine thought that she had cast it and won the day. And yet we know Drizella cast it. So how does Tremaine think that she cast the curse and have it not actually work? I need answers. Right. Um, let's see. Oh, also, there was a scene in the um, evidence room when we found out, we didn't talk about this, I don't think, but when we found out that Weaver is keeping, Rumple rather, is keeping the dagger in the evidence locker. First of all, not the best place for it, can we just say. Like, surely you must have an apartment somewhere. Take it home. But when he said obsessions can be dangerous things, I love the fact that Rumple was saying that to Hook, the person that he had obsessed over for how long? Mm. And his whole obsession with power and magic and everything, blah, blah, blah. Like, he can speak from to that because he's already done that. And in a way, so has Hook. So, mm-hmm. I like that as well. Um, I also, it's, it's not a line of dialogue, but it's a reaction um, in Eloise Gardner when Jacinda comes into the bar and tells Regina, Ron Gina, that she and Henry have a date. And she kind of, the way that Lana played it, she opened her mouth, like, in shock, and then she, like, looked away towards the front of the bar. (laughs) And when she did that, it honestly, I think somebody might have put this out as a gift, too, on Twitter. It was, it made me think of, like, when somebody had quoted it and said, when someone tells you a secret, you already know, and you have to act surprised. And you're like, like, really? Like... (laughs) That was totally what that was to me. I just loved it. I thought it was great. Um, So those are the lines of dialogue that really stuck out to me. Also, too, finding out that Alice is Hook's daughter was so sweet, even though we were expecting it, because I want those two to have a good relationship. And it was so sad when they were blasted apart by the curse of the poison heart. She called him Papa. I was like, oh. I know, dude. Like, they're really going for it. And I was like, yes, go hug your daughter now. Go hug your daughter that isn't a child with you and Emma. Yay! Like, go do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, they, it was not meant to be. Um, I also got to say, too, I am kind of wondering now whether the three amigos, like the three OG hook rumple regina i feel like one of them is not going to make it for sure which is rumple but i'm also kind of questioning whether hook is going to survive this story or not i don't know why but really i yeah i just i feel like there could be some kind of tragic thing where he like dies and then alice has to kind of move on in life without him she you know she'll have robin by her side at that point her new girlfriend that's coming you know soon so i would say but i need i need hook zelina like parents-in-law yeah we need i know we need that p-flag meeting so yeah we do i don't know i feel like i mean i don't know i don't know i obviously rumple's not gonna make it because he has to reunite with bell and the only way they can reunite is in death so he's gonna die um Mm. i do not think that they would kill regina i just don't i I feel like they've done too much with her and they brought the character too far um, for her to just kind of be written out like Mm -hmm. that. So I don't think that that'll be the case. But I kind of also, but I'm also feeling like one of these characters has to go in a way that's like self-sacrificial or something. Like maybe that'll be Rumpel, I guess, when he like gives the dagger to the guardian or whatever. How is that going to work? And Alice is the guardian, right? Like, okay. Anyways. I have so many questions. Are we we 100% sure? Because it was brought up, but, like, we haven't explored it since it was brought up. Except for Regina saying that to the back, you know, it's like, oh, you're thinking about the Guardian, whatever. Oh, my God. Yeah, that that was was the other line. Sorry to interrupt, but really quickly, I I forgot to mention it, and I better do it now. The scene when when Weaver went into Ronnie's bar, and she was like, stop it. I'm awake, and you're awake. 
you're always awake. Like <laughs> that. Okay, that cracked me up because the way she said it, she's like, "You're always awake." You're always awake. I was just like, "He just is always little... awake." <laughs> well, and, and that, and like, she just took it for granted. Like, as soon as she woke up, she was like, "Ah, oh, Rumple, Rumple's not cursed. Like, he's he's already like fifty steps ahead, and he's got like a secret bunker. I need I need to to, to call him up on the bat phone and find out what's the deal." Exactly. But I love the way she said that, and I love how it was kind of like a nod to previous curses and previous seasons. The line that stuck out for me for that scene, though, was when she was like, she evoked the name of Bell. Oh, and got him yes. To stop. I was like, ooh. Yeah, Bell wouldn't ooh. want this, and he had to turn around and fake it. Who's Bell? I was like, oh. That was just like, that was, I was like, ooh, Regina. I mean, like, yeah, you had to do it, Regina, but also like, Ooh, you know? Yeah, it was a little bit of a burn. I also do like, uh, Sabine was great in this episode. I loved her, the delivery of her line when uh, Jacinda was trying on the dress and she's like, you know, lying to yourself and your best friend. Like, I love the way she, she said that. Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, the show comes back this week, too, and I have no idea what to think about any of this, because like I've said before, the show is going in directions that I wasn't expecting, and I can't make heads or tails of it, and I'm really, really freaking happy about that, because I did not want it to be predictable as F, so mm -hmm. it's not, and I'm pleased. Um, I'm also a little irritated, though, because my f fucking theory game is totally off. All I've got is that Tremaine is Rapunzel and Cinderella might be a wicked stepsister instead. But otherwise, I can't, I mean, I'll pre you know what I'm probably going to do over the holidays? I'm probably going to go back and watch all of season seven in a binge mm -hmm. and see if I can suss anything out. It also helps with writing processes, but yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I'm actually interested because, you know, usually at the end of a villain arc, the, like, the villains either get redeemed or they die. I mean, I feel like this is more team redemption because I, I feel like well, there you know we don't know who the biggest bad is like i don't think goffle is gonna um survive this so i have to say she cleans up really nicely i was kind of like oh when she walked in with that cake i was like that, that's unexpected but um that aside um <laughs> well it's true though I for mean... some reason i know but for some reason i feel like belfry might be redeemed it's weird. Like I said, there's so much focus on her in the beginning, and she's kind of, like, faded into the background a bit, and I wasn't expecting that. So I'm wondering, like, when we get the the big Cinderella backstory, like, where that's all going to come in and stuff. But I I, for, I don't see her getting super comeuppance. I see Drizella getting super comeuppance because she's mm. comeuppance because she's just, like, soups evil now. Um, and then Gothel's probably going to get melted with a bucket of water or something. Um, so, yeah... Yeah, it's I ugh. the thing about the big bad, though, too, right now that we're actually on that topic. We're like, there are so many other factors in play here. And it's so funny because the, she even Tilly even had a line in this uh, in these two episodes. And I think it was Eloise Gardner where she tells Hook that he has all the pieces he needs, but he's not paying attention to all of them. And if he started paying attention the, to was... other pieces, then he would start to be able to figure this out. Wasn't that the episode before? Possibly. But it's also, it might have been on the previous thing on. She, but she also, I think she referenced it again, though, I feel like. Right, like she, she did. She like, there, there's definitely a reference to it in Eloise Gardner. So what I'm thinking now is that, because, you know, the piece, what are the pieces that we're really not paying attention to? We're not really paying attention to the princess and the frog storyline and what's going on with Facilier. Mm -hmm. So there's that. There's the facilier thing. There's everything going on with Cinderella's mother and father, who's really her stepfather. And how does that make her Tremaine's stepdad? I don't know. I'm just going to go with it. Um, we need answers about the curse. Like I really feel like going back and doing a binge watch is going gonna, is gonna to come into play. Because they've said that Princess and the Frog is going to have more of a presence... Like, that movie is going to have more of a presence in the second half of this season. And mm -hmm. if that's true, then that means that that's when Facilier is coming back. And how does Facilier work into the whole thing with Tremaine? And how does Tremaine know Wish Hook? 
What's their history? Well, no, she she youthified him, but they did have a past. They have a right, past, right. though. They've met before. And if she is really Rapunzel, but he never met the real Rapunzel. Is did he though? Know of though? But did he though? Right. Maybe he did meet the real Rapunzel, and that's why there's a whole thing there. Mm, oh yeah, no, but you're gonna be right. Hey, did we talk about this by the way, um, or did we just talk about this in private? What? Um, Ronnie and Henry are going on a road trip. We did not talk about that publicly. No. Um, and they're going to San Francisco. And I think we both think we both think that we know who they're going to go see. And I'm very interested to see how this plays out. I, um, I remember, like, I was live. I was on Periscope live at this part of the episode, I remember. Because when they said they were going to San Francisco, my first thought was, okay, they're going to get Zelina. And number two... Yes. Please let Zelina be running a gay bar on Castro Street. Or something. Let them at least have to go through Castro Street. I just want to see a rainbow flag. That's all I want. Mm -hmm. Just give me a rainbow flag. That's all I need. I know it'll be a shout out to my people. It's fine. Like, just give me that. You know, because, well, I mean, I mean, really, in, in, in a just world, right, in a fair world, <laughs> in a just fair world where Hillary Clinton is president... Then Zelina would be running an ice cream parlor akin to the Margaret Cho ice cream parlor story in her special You're the One That I Want or Notorious CHO. I can't remember which one it is, but it's not Notorious CHO because that's probably I think the only one I've listened to. I haven't listened to her in a million years. Um, so I, and I don't, this doesn't, isn't ringing bells for me. Okay. Then I think it's you're the so one. That, I, I'm the one that I want. Picture this, right? Hyperion Heights, Seattle, 2017. Zelina pulls into town and immediately... In the like, car, in the car. Z Zelina pulls in the into town, right? <laughs> After they were done with their road trip, they pull back into Hyperion Heights and Victoria Belfry has posted bail and then Zelina and she just have a scene together. And it's yes. just full of nothing but shade and attitude and Britishness and all of it. Yes. Like, that's the scene I want the most. I want to see those two bitches throw down. I really do. Well, okay, and here's, here's, here's the thing. Regina Ronnie had said, she's like, and she probably hates me. And I'm kind of like, hmm, <laughs> you know, like, what, what happened between them? Also, Regina Ronnie made mention to people, I think that was when she was talking to Brumple, that Belfry has forced people to leave already. I'm wondering if that's, um, if Belfry planted the seed of animosity between Curse Selena and Curse Regina that caused Ronnie to drive whatever Zelina's curse name is, Zorro, drive her out of town. <laughs> I couldn't think of a Z name. That's like literally the only Z name well, I could no, think of. Right. Don't judge so me. So Zora then, so Zora, she drove Zora no, down Zora. there. Um, but no, like, that's the other thing, right? If they've already made other people leave Hyperion Heights, like, and they're cursed, is Zelina still cursed? Like, Or did the curse drop as soon as she left? Yeah, did, yeah. It, like, does it leave as soon as you leave? But then wouldn't you, like, go back to try and save everybody? Or at this point, is she just like, you know what? I've had enough of you people and your curses. I'm not dealing with it anymore. <laughs> like... Or maybe she had no way to get back. Maybe she's stuck in San Francisco and then they have to get her out somehow. Well, did you notice, too, that in the scene between Ron Regina and Rumpel in the bar when she's like, you're always awake. Did you notice how she said that they can't get back to Storybrooke and they can't let anybody else know that they're there? I mean, are they shielding Storybrooke and protecting it from, like, more... Like, is it a thing, like, once you're in, you're in? Because we haven't seen Henry's apartment in a many an episode. And it hasn't really been referenced, but he's had no reason to really leave. Like, where is he staying? Well, no, but, like, what I'm thinking about is, like, why can't you get back to Storybrooke? Like, you know where it is. You, you they like, probably can't leave the Heights. 
I mean, well, no, that's not true because they're going to San Francisco. Yeah, because they're leaving town. So why can't they well, go back to Storybrook? And you know more what? importantly, why can't There's they let everybody else know that they're in Hyperion Heights? Is that part the of the line. curse? Is that part of the thing? Like, no, no like not only can you not let it break, curse. but you can't tell any of your family about it either. No, it's part of Storybrooke's curse. Remember, they they had the town line and they put it up to protect themselves. Something there's something up. with that though. I feel like there's something there. That that stood out to me. Like we can't go back to Storybrooke and we can't let anybody know that we're here. Well, okay. Well, if you can't go back to Storybrooke because you're protecting it, then why can't you send an email and be like, "Yo, meet me at the town line because." We need to come home. I need to get my magic or whatever. Who, who besides Henry Mills had email in Storybrooke? Everyone had flip phones. Uh, um, well, somebody <laughs> had to have the, Belle had the internet because she was communicating with the guy that she thought was an Oxford professor, but was really Rumpel lying in New York. Oh my. Oh, f yeah. Belle's dead. Oh, f damn it. Oh, so Bell's internet has been cut off, established. Well, God, I hope so. Or that's a hell of a bill. <laughs> but no, I, I honestly think it's because of the town line. Like, once you leave, you can't come back. I guess. I don't know. I feel like there's something there. I feel like that needs to be explored. I need to go back and do a binge watch. I know that much. I definitely know that much. Because, I mean, think about it, though. I mean, Henry didn't leave. He didn't cross a town line. It wasn't a big town line scene. He went through a portal within the storybrook like zip code so he he's like i'll be back like you know when i figure all these books out and stuff and he probably was planning on coming back within the storybook zip code of having magic and doing portals and stuff but like yeah it's once you cross the town line it's kind of like all right you can't get back in maybe i still want to know why they can't let everybody else know that they're in hyperion heights though well, that's probably put them in danger. I bet you once they enter the heights, they're prob they probably can't get out. You know, the way you keep saying or, the heights keeps making me think of in the heights, and now I just want to go watch a Lin-Manuel Miranda musical. Oh, my God, I can't. <laughs> I'm going to Hamilton next week. F okay. Oh, boo. Hey, you know what's coming back? Wicked. It's coming back to Chicago. Also, I got my Shape of Water tickets for Friday. Oh, oh I just bought my last Jedi tickets for next Thursday. I have not. I'm going. Those. Okay, so I'm to going to a Thursday night showing of a major movie that I love to death, and I'm going by myself for the first time ever because I was like, I Jackie can't go with me, and I know a couple of other people around town that I was going to ask, but I was like, you know what? I've never gone to a movie by myself, and it's very fun. This is going to be the first one. I'm getting, and it was perfect because when I bought my ticket. They only had single seats by themselves, so I couldn't even sit by anybody I would want to go with anyway. So, yeah, I'm really excited. I I actually love Star Wars more than I love Disney, so I'm really excited. Um, well, they're both the same now, so. They are the same, and apparently soon, so will be 20th Century Fox, which, oh my god. Yeah, what? Yeah, what? What does that mean for an R-rated Deadpool, honestly? They better um, not touch it, or else they're going to lose a asshole to money yeah i'm just i'm not i'm I, no just i'm I, i'm opposed to that Anyways. i don't think i mean i don't think they're gonna do anything considering like the ad like the way they've been marketing uh deadpool i think that's kind of like locked in yeah but going forward i just uh i don't know i mean how many deadpool movies do you need though that's true i mean i need to see what's happening with the sequel and where they go with it because if maybe they don't even need a third one you know and maybe it's just not justified although they'll always justify something like that but anyways mm -hmm. um oh god yeah i need to do a binge of once i need to make some notes i'm gonna like really write down i'm gonna be on the lookout for clues like i need to get back into my season one vibe of like constantly on the lookout for things because i i have lost that Definitely need Constant to Constant vigilance. It. Yeah. Constant vigilance. Well, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the Once Upon a Fan podcast. Thank you very much for your patience as we have been delayed a couple of weeks in getting this out to you what with the holidays and real life taking over. Uh, we will be back sometime next week. We just don't know what day yet because we're still trying to balance our work and fun lives. So... 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we will be back soon with our review of this next episode coming up, which is we're already at season number eight. I cannot believe that we're already at number eight. It's nuts. We're almost um, there. Oh, and P.S. By the way, why is Quentin Tarantino making a Star Trek movie? Anyways, um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, me neither. So let's I don't see. Want it. This um, this next episode coming up though that we're going to be reviewing next week is called One Little Tear. I think is what we decided. So one little tear. Not tear, tear. Not tear, tear. And then next week on the fifteenth, which is the show next week on Friday, is the winter finale, which is the eighth witch. Oh, dude, that means Zelina has got to be coming back. You know what I bet? You know what I bet? You know what? Okay, I'd be willing to bet that next <laughs> week, right? That next week on one little tear, Henry and Regina are not in that episode. And they're going to be all over oh. the Eighth Witch. They're going to be all, like, it's going to be, like, very heavily focused on them. I would be willing I, to bet because they have to go get Zelina. I bet. I, I, I think you're right on that one. Yep. That's what I think is going to happen. So we'll see. Well, guys, thank you again very much. That's going to wrap it up for us. And in closing, I am, have you ever considered turning your blog into a podcast? And my co-host was... No one wants to be the Catherine Nolan. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Your rainbow will come smiling No matter how your heart is grieving If you keep on Dream.